Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast, it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 80. Now, if you're here for the first time or the first few episodes, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, I invite you to follow the show and subscribe to the show so you do not miss an episode. And also make sure you're following us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod, a really great community there. And I think you're going to love the content if you love value-added content that will equip you and inspire you to become a better dad, mom, husband, uh, leader. This is your Instagram page, if I do say so myself. So check it out, at I Dare You Pod. I'd love to see you there. Speaking of Instagram, last week we had a great contest for you to tag our guest, Nona Jones, at Nona Not Nora, and at I Dare You Pod, for a chance to win a full focus planner. And so many of you did it. Incredible how many of you participated, and we have a winner. Drum roll, please. Our winner is Jackie Frost. So, Jackie, congratulations. The Full Focus Planner is on its way to you. Thanks, everybody, for just lighting up social media the way that you are, and there's no need to stop, especially with this week's episode. Tag our guest and tag at that Dare You Pod with your biggest aha from this episode. And I can't wait to get into this interview. I can't wait for you to hear this interview and meet our guest. He is Robert Glazer. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had a chance just to focus on your own development and your own learning and to sit down across the table from a successful founder and chairman of the board of a very successful company? Well, this is your chance. Today is the day, and I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Robert Glazer. He is the founder and chairman of the board of Acceleration Partners. The company is wildly successful. It's a global partner marketing agency and the recipient of numerous industry and company culture awards, including Glassdoor's Employees' Choice Awards two years in a row. Now, if you know anything about Glassdoor, you know what a huge accomplishment that is to earn this award. He's also the author of the inspirational newsletter, Friday Forward, and I'll bet many of you are already subscribing to that newsletter, and the number one Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and international best-selling author of five books, including Elevate, and now, most recently, Elevate Your Team. Because of all that, he is one of the most sought-after speakers by companies and organizations around the world. And he's also the host of one of the most popular podcasts anywhere called the Elevate Podcast. It's a top 1% of all podcasts on Apple and Spotify. That's rarefied air. I Dare You Podcast is a top 10%. <laughs> so I am chasing Robert Glazer. And I'm sure he's worried. Now, what can you expect to learn in this episode? Well, you're going to learn a lot about leadership, how we can become better leaders and create the type of culture where people love to work. And if you're interested in becoming the best leader you can be, I'm not talking about a good leader. I'm talking about a great leader, the type of leader that, that people will talk about for decades after you're gone, the type of leader that changes lives from people reporting into them but also just from people around them in their orbit. You're going to get some practical strategies and just something you can implement starting today. So I hope you're ready to take your leadership to an entirely different level. And Robert Glazer is going to help us get there. So now, everyone, welcome to episode 80. I'm glad you're here on the I Dare You podcast. Here is Robert Glazer. Robert, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Thanks for having me. Are so glad that we are able to finally get our calendars connected. Uh, yeah, it took some work, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we'll make it worth the wait. You have been passionate about helping 
individuals become their very best, elevating their performance and now, now teams as well, organizational capacity and the like. We're going to talk about that, but tell me, where did all this start for you, this entrepreneurial bug? Where did it come from? Um, probably birth. Uh, I think I probably <laughs> suppressed it for a while. I was a very sort of creative ADD entrepreneurial kid. Um, that's probably a phrase you could use. Uh, and yeah. you know, I was always messing with stuff. My mom would tell me to clean my room. I'd go redo the whole thing. So sort of tinkering was just a genetic thing for me. So now you're the CEO of Acceleration Partners. Uh, why did you decide to start that company? Yeah, I'm actually not the CEO anymore. I'm, I'm the founder and, and board chair, but, uh, I, like most people who start or run an agency, it's sort of by accident. You, you think you can do something better, you do it, then more people ask you for help and then you help those people and then they tell other people and then you wake up and you're kind of running an agency one day. So um, I, I came passionate about helping companies sort of acquire customers and and found this partnership channel to be a, a unique way to, to do that. Um, so uh, yeah, that was sort of the story. It kind of worked with some companies, they had some success, the people went on, they told other people and uh, away, away we went. How did you manage the growth and how did that influence your leadership style and your podcast and your book? Tell us. Yeah, I, I think it's important to set the context that, you know, during those years of, of sort of a decade of high growth, we, we were totally self-funded, right? I think there's there's a lot of people out there are very good at turning a dollar into 25 cents. Um, you know, we had to figure out how to turn 25 <laughs> cents in, in, into a dollar. And so we couldn't just grow by hiring sales and marketing and losing money, that was not not our industry, not not the metric. Um, so, you know, we focused on developing people and building our people and sort of growing with our people. And that, that, that I didn't realize we were doing it. And then I sort of realized that was the problem and the solution. And then we kind of, at some point, you know, went, went all in on that approach. But I, I think that that was, was different where either you can, again, you can grow with your team or you can say, hey, we're gonna grow this thing. The equivalent to me is like, if you send a, a, a mission to Mars and you say, we want to go to Mars and, and you land the craft on Mars and the whole crew's dead, I, I don't think you'd have a lot of people jumping up and down and, and celebrating, right? So yeah. um, I, that, that, that is a little bit what growth has felt like, you know, over the last uh, five or 10 years. And I, I, I think that's going to change. You talked about how the old adage is, as you double in sales, double in size, you, size. you, you then break 50% of your processes and lose 50% of your people, which I've heard that as well. I've worked for a couple of private companies and that was kind of the, the mantra, go, 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 and, you know, crash and burn. And, but you push back on that a bit. And where did that, I guess that, that commitment or that that shift happened for you? Yeah, the, the, for me, it was just the type of company that I wanted to build. I really didn't want that Mars equivalent. I was like, look, if we're going to grow this business, why do I want to break all these people I enjoy working with and would like to build them, you know, with this? It's not, it's not, to, to me, there was never an ends worth a means that wasn't fun or enjoyable. Um, so that, that is the, you know, I think that's, that, that's the difference. And that's the question people have to ask themselves. I think sometimes people are willing to endure any means or any journey to kind of get to an end for us. It was about the journey. So I was like, Hey, if we're going to do this, if we're going to grow, how do we make this the type of company that I want to work at, that we want to work at, you know, with peers, not, there's no need to churn and burn just to churn and burn. 
you're the author of Elevate, which is about yeah. individual performance. And now you have a follow-up book that is, let me get the title right, Elevate Your Team. Yeah. And um, I, I was reading Elevate Your Team. I'll tell you what, it is a, it is a guidebook. Uh, my, my background is in corporate America, been an executive for a long time, leading sales teams. And I wish I would have read this when I was about 25 years old, Robert. Me, 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 me too. <laughs> It's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of learning from failure in there again. And 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 look, I think that you know there aren't a lot of books that come from people who I, I've spent some time writing and kind of learned how to write and 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 think maybe in, in somewhat of an academic way, but but I think the choices are often someone who's completely an academic who has no experience doing it. Again, I could tell you the perfect academic way to fire someone. I'd like to throw that professor in a room when someone's screaming at them and crying at them and all that stuff and see how well they execute the perfect academic way to do something. Um, so this was sort of, you know, real lessons and, 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 and learnings on the way. And in Elevate, I really talked about this capacity building framework, as you said, from a personal leadership development standpoint, how do I build my own capacity? How do I use that as, as kind of personal leadership development? Uh, elevate your team took that to the institutional level. So how do I build capacity building into my team, into my organization? How do we make that part of what we do? And while it's similar, it's different in in its application. So now I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna I need you to challenge me to make sure I'm not being academic and I'm being real world. Here's yeah. this is my this is my opinion that in order to be a fantastic leader, an organizational leader, you need to be able to focus first on yourself. The self leadership precedes organizational leadership. Now, would you agree with that? Or would you challenge back on that? I think I know where you're going to go. But that, that's that's what I believe. That's what I've seen. Yeah, it's really hard to lead others if you haven't led yourself. And so that's the premise of some of the spiritual capacity stuff I talk about in, in that context. But look, let's if, if you've been the CEO of a $10 million company, and you come in to be the new CEO of an $8 million company, you might know what you're doing and 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 have sort of a playbook and all that stuff. You still need to lead yourself. You still need to learn, but that won't be a stretch for you. When you're a founder or someone growing a business and it's the first time you've run a million dollar company and then it's the first time you run a $5 million company and it's the first time you run a $10 million company, you are going to have to reinvent yourself. You are going to have to like become a new leader, a different leader, all these things. Like I, You're just not going to have a choice. Um, and, and and you have to make that choice every time that company doubles. I, I made that choice for for many years around like, hey, I want to be the CEO of a five million. I want to be the CEO of ten million. I want to be a CEO of twenty million. And when it got to fifty or sixty, I was like, I don't want to be the CEO of 50, 60 million. Not to give away the 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 end of the book, but I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do it again. Like it's starting to be a lot of the things that I don't like to do and I don't want to do. And 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 so that's that's part of that very active uh, conversation you need, frankly need to have, you know, with your with yourself. Mm-hmm. But one of the, the threads that that I notice in your entire in the book and it's this investment in other people. In fact, in your you write organizations must invest in people holistically. And where did that come from? Because I I know I want to talk about your why statement and your yeah. values, but again, for me, I learned that through big public corporate America, um, investing big money, big resources yeah. into people. Where did that come for you? It just came from this discovery that that's what was going to move the needle, that what was going to make the leader of tomorrow was not making them better at whatever the job they did today. It was it was 
that people are the same at work and not at work. And that revelation I had before they were literally working from home. So there wasn't much of different. So if they're tired, if they're exhausted, if they're bad at budgeting, if they suck at prioritization in their personal life, how are they going to be good at these things at work? And so if we can focus on these holistic things under intellectual capacity, what makes, what are best practices? What make you a better leader? What makes you a better leader? I can promise you that a helicopter parent at home is probably a micromanager, you know, in the workplace. And so if they can, if they can learn the destructive, the only difference is they get a 360 in the workplace saying, I have a helicopter manager who's suffocating me. They don't, they don't get that at home. But, but I think if they have that awareness, you might actually go home and start to think about how do I, you know, how do I praise action and not behavior? How do I, you know, criticize, how do I praise more than I uh, criticize? How do I, be clear about what I'm looking for, but not do the work for someone else. Like I, mm -hmm. to me, again, these things are holistic. It's why we teach financial literacy. It's why we talk about kind of goal setting and health and best practices and morning routines, because I think like, this is how you make someone better overall. So when you were talking about a helicopter parent and the micromanager, you, you weren't talking about me, were you? And now I'm a little self-conscious. I mean, you're a little, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a little old for the helicopter parenting <laughs> general. It's a, it's a newer phenomenon. Oh, I don't know. I, I may have some traits there. Hey, yeah. uh, you talk about the, you talk about managing and leading through strengths. And when I read that, my, I, my radar just pinged because I've been a long believer in that. And then I read that you've, you also are, you gave recommend, recommendations on Gallup organization and strength finder. Which for those who are listening, who have been through it, you know what we're talking about. For those who haven't, I invite you to make sure you read the book, uh, Elevate Your Team, and also learn more about the Gallup Strength Finder. Uh, Robert, what what are your top five strengths? Uh, oh, I, I think it was like relator strategy. I, ha I have them downstairs. I sort of forget uh, the individual ones, but I can tell you they're very aligned to the things that uh, I do. Um, and but 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 holistically, I mean, I remember being 24 years old and this guy who was in the military was leading something I was involved with. And he's like, look, we figure out all your weaknesses and then you we work on them like that is the worst managerial advice I think I have ever uh, heard. Look, you need to be you need to be aware of, of your weaknesses. Um, you know, I was thinking this is a tangent, but I an article I want to write. I was thinking about tennis recently, like like in the workplace you know, you want to manage around your weaknesses in, and you want to be aware of them so that they're not blind spots. And actually, if you're aware of them, you don't spend time on them, but you make sure they don't cripple you. In tennis, people just go right after your weaknesses. You can't escape <laughs> them. And so like, you have to be keenly more aware of them and try to, and try to play around it. But yeah. um, we're going to all play better uh, to our strengths. The key is like, if you know you're not detail-oriented, then you want to probably get a... Um, uh, an assistant who can do that. You want to have a, a number two who compliments you, right? Yeah. Uh, so the the uh, that 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 to me is 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 understanding what is someone good at it. What are their natural communication styles? What do they do well? And like like I always keep that in the back of our head. Head and whenever there's conflict or ever, a lot of weaknesses are actually overplayed strengths. So I was doing a coaching call with someone on our team yesterday. And when we talked about, hey, like, remind me of what are your core values? What were your strengths? What was your why? Let's go through this. Now let's look at this 360 feedback that you had. Like, here are some dotted lines. Here are some trends that I'm seeing. Like, sometimes you actually need to rein this in um, or, or it becomes a weakness. Or here's where people are, are looking. Here is how you can actually solve this problem using a natural, you know, tendency of yours. So 
knowing those things, knowing the languages, when you dive into it, if, if, if two people are arguing and they're just constantly like, if I have their whys, I can tell you exactly why they're arguing. Cause they just <laughs> come at things from a different way. They see the yeah. world different way. Like it's just, it, I just seen this movie over and over. And the other movie I've seen is that they are probably acting in alignment with childhood things, like right. something that they, was done to them that they loved and so they're trying to hold on to or something that was done to them and they hate and it's amazing how deep these things run that show up in the persona of the leader so again if you want to be a level five leader by jim collins's kind of standard uh, as he defines it like that's got to be really authentic that's got to be a lot of self-awareness and you got to understand what is your personal operating system and how does it impact how you show up as a leader every day Every, every word of that, I, I agree with. And a quick story for you, Robert, and for everybody, uh, a couple of companies I was with, and still now we use it, but it changes how we how we talk to one another, how when we have a project team, if we have a couple of uh, three people in the team that are all strategic and yeah. no one has any kind of strengths in the area of execution, it's a disaster. <laughs> Yeah. It tells you how to staff a project, who needs to, <laughs> who needs to brainstorm, who needs to do the follow-up, you know, all, all, all of those things. For sure. And when we mentioned about being able to do some of this or read these types of lessons when you're 25, Robert, this, this book, again, it's a, it's a guidebook because when I learned about strengths, when I was probably in my late thirties, it was liberating. It was liberating. There was sure. no more judgment, no more UB, shame. UB, UB, I, UBU. <laughs> Yeah, I say this in the book and I, when I present it, it's better with a visual. But I think when we all start leading, we actually are this patchwork, patchwork quilt of leadership, right? We, you know, Darren, you had bosses. I, I mean, if I say, who's the worst boss you've ever had? You don't answer it, but it's it's in your mind now. And you're like, I do everything I can to not be her or him, right? It's conversely, yes. or there's some people that you really loved where you emulated some of the things they did, but they're not authentically you. And so this makes sense. So we come out, we we kind of look at the masters, we look at you know our own greatest hits or worst hits, and and <laughs> and we cobble together a bunch of stuff. And then we realize like some of those sweaters fit and some of those sweaters feel really itchy and uncomfortable because it's not us. And I think when we become a really great leader is when we peel all that back and we say, Who am I? What are my value? What what are my natural tendencies? I'm actually gonna just lean into that and and I'm gonna be a great leader for some people who who get that and want, you know, what that, and for other people, like, it's just not going to match. So like it, it, if I'm a, if I'm a real person who values independence and, and, you know, quick thinking and strategy and otherwise, and I have someone on my team who is just super dependent, super consensus building every time needs to get everyone's opinion. Like, again, I, I as a leader, I'm sort of, that's my culture. Like they're not going to be aligned to my culture. It might be that they need to be on a mm -hmm. different team or otherwise, but if we contrast on all of these things constantly, it's just, it's going to be a huge dream. And, and, and look, I, this is to me, like everyone's a genius at something like that person probably needs a different team, a different role. Like I would say like in our firm, you can't be an over consensus, overly analytical, slow person in digital marketing. Like it just, you got to make decisions. You got to move fast. You got to fail. Like it's just not, it might work great in nuclear power plant, but it's not right for digital marketing. Capacity building in, in that you can't, you want to build, I mean, your role as a leader is to build a team that, that grows with your business. And that sounds really, really tricky. And if I'm a newer leader, I don't care if, well, any leader, that sounds daunting. 
So what are some ways that we can begin approaching that? How do you build a team that grows with your business? What do you mean? Uh, well, it sort of goes through the four elements of capacity. So at a high level, spiritual capacity is helping people, like we talked about, figure out their values, figure out their strengths otherwise. Intellectual capacity, helping them learn. How do they learn, get feedback, do new, learn new and better ways to do stuff with less energy? Physical capacity is making sure that, again, their their physical and mental sort of acumen <laughs> you know, holds up, that they're not exhausted, they're not wiped out, they're not fatigued. Again, we don't do our best work. And then emotional capacity is is how you relate to other people, the sort of locus of control, psychological safety in an organization. So, but then it's starting to build those elements in our culture and the training and spending time on each of these and having book clubs and podcast things and reimbursements to, 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 to learn new things and sitting down with people and doing strength finders or doing discs or do the core value work or do the why work. It's, it's making sure that people aren't being emailed all day, that they have a break, that they go on vacation. It's kind of creating a culture of, of psychological safety where people feel comfortable uh, talking about things, speaking truth to power, where they're not focused on the outside world. So there's, there's tons of individual suggestions in there, but this would be the sort of uh, decision you would make holistically to start thinking about these things in your culture or your team. How much time and and do you spend in these areas? And here's why I'm asking, Robert, left of our own devices, I'm talking about myself. My day needs to be more, it, it's, it, I'll come up with the excuse that I just don't have time for any of that, Robert. I mean, I'm just meeting yeah. to meeting day by day. And so not, I'm really intrigued by how you create that culture and your leadership team. How do you guys do it? I mean, we kind of had to do it because again, we didn't want to be replacing people constantly. So it's just, it's just part of what we do. Like your culture is what you do and what you reward. Like it's that simple. Here's what we value. And do you actually reward those behaviors? So one of our core, core cultural values is embrace relationships. That covers a lot of it. Uh, one of them is uh, excel and improve. And that focuses on the learning. So it, it, look, if you can't make time to get off the hamster wheel, then you won't get off uh, the hamster wheel. So, uh, that, that, I mean, that's the reality. I, I, I don't preach to the unwilling. <laughs> so some of the best executive coaches in the world, I know, like, how do you get these incredible results with CEOs? They're like, I work with people who want to get better. And some of the best CEOs who are open to it. I don't work with people who don't want to coach who fight everything or otherwise. Okay. Similarly, like I'm not going to make an exhausted CEO who's got no time for their people. Like, believe in this stuff. Like I, either it's a business problem for you or it's not a business problem or you like what you're doing or you don't like what you're doing. Again, my moment was, hey, I want to have a growth company where people grow and these people that I like stay with me and you know all, all of that stuff. So that, 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 that you got to want it. Someone else can't yeah. want it for you. Your top five strengths, I, you know, we already talked about it. I got to believe command might be in there and maximizer might be in there. I don't know. It's yeah, just really I think command was in there. Yeah. <laughs> as well, it should be. But again, with strengths, there's no right or wrong. That's what's so great about it. It's just fun to, fun to try to, try to spot uh, some of those. Spiritual capacity, intellectual, physical, emotional. The one that really caught my eye was spirit, spiritual. And I expected it to be spiritual by that meaning religion. Yeah. But you're not talking about that. You're talking about other things and values and your why. And how, how do values fit into this 24-7 authentic type leader? Yeah, look, I, like I said before, people lead from their values, either, either knowingly or unknowingly. For most people, I think it's un unknowingly. Um, I'll give you an example. Having done this work 
a lot with people. Uh, there are a couple of occasions where I found that uh, someone's why or one of the dominant core values is is related to trust. It's really important to them for relationships built on trust. And having done this enough, I've learned enough to say, if Darren, if this was coming up in sort of the assessment when we we're doing it, Darren, I'm not going to ask you uh, what it is. But did you have a violation of trust like earlier in your sometime earlier in your childhood or life? And yep. most times, if that's it, like the person will choke up, tear, ashen face. They don't say anything. I can tell yeah. by the look on the reaction. And so here's how this plays out for Darren, the leader. Trust is really important to Darren. Darren, you know, people that can't be trusted are dangerous and threatening. So people on Darren's team that show up five minutes late to a meeting, that miss a deadline, that can't be found when he calls them three times at four o'clock, they are in a penalty box without the key and they don't know it. Darren has already said this person can't be trusted. They are threatening. Like they are, they are in purgatory and they don't know it because Darren hasn't realized that this is what he does. He certainly hasn't communicated it to the team. When when someone understands that, goes back to their team and says, Hey, you know what? I've been doing this work. I just want to let you know something. Here are kind of my values and higher. Like trust is really important to me. I'm someone that trusts. I give it out or otherwise. Once it's gone, it's really hard to get it back. Here are the ways that you can build trust and lose trust with me. And like, I'll let you know where you stand. Like that just changes the entire game. Um, we have people try to convince us. No, they're not really like in jail. And we be like, okay, so like, would you give this person a big project? And like, and then they basically they would describe a jail, like that, like that yeah. they had built a a jail around them. So I've just seen this time and time again enough to know that it, again, it's it is your value. Do you know that it's running your operating system, or or are we giving you now that you have the manual? You're like, oh crap, like. Let me, how do I lead into this? So on the first yeah. day, you'd be like, look, trust is really important to me. I give you trust first. I will give you like all the reins in the world, but just know that if you break this, you'll probably never get it back. Like that's a, that's how Darren needs to lead. Like that's, it just is what it is. Yeah. Well, again, you're, you're in my head right there. It's, it's like, yeah. you're looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, these things come very much to childhood issues for most people. Yeah. It is. I just had this whole discussion with someone who ran a services firm for 20 years as well. And he's like, basically, we could be therapists at this point because of all it's all people all the time. And when right. you really sit down and talk to people authentically and listen to them and understand what's going on, um, it 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 almost certainly is a deeper rooted thing that is that is important to them. And again, it's driving you, whether you're yeah. driving it or you driving it's driving you is the question. One of the reviews came from Ariana Huffington uh, on your book. And she, she said, this book helps create a vision for creating a lasting organization where people love to work. I don't hear that very, very often where people love to work. If I were to come into your company, I think you have what, 200 plus? Um, uh, 300, uh, yeah. 300, 300 employees. And if I were just to sit down and have a cup of coffee with a few of them, what, what do you think they would say about the the workplace and their, do they love to work and how they feel valued and how their work means something? I'm just really curious. Yeah, look, people, there's different phases. I would say, I think for any company now, the struggle is that it's just been a really long couple of years, irrespective yeah. of, of what you do. But but the to me, the most important thing that people could ever say is we just try to be consistent between what we think, what we say, and what we do. We are not for everyone. We are probably for 2% of the people. So if someone came in, and I you know, use a sports analogy, and they're a running back, 
And we, we were like, look, we're a passing offense. And they're like, I'll convince them to run. Like, you know, and they came in and they're like, ah, this sucks. Like they don't, they don't run the ball. Like I'm useless here. Right. I would hope they'd be like, you know what? They told me I was a passing team and you know, I just kind of didn't listen. So we're, we're not for everyone. We're for a small subset that shares our values that wants to work how we work, that wants to kind of be in our, in our industry. And, um, and, and that's the best that we can do. We're not trying to be everything to everyone. So I hope that's what people say is that people listen to them. They enjoy their work. It's meaningful. They feel valued. They feel like they have opportunities. They're learning. Is it, you know, rainbows and unicorns every day? Like, no. Um, but I, I think one thing we've seen in, 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 in particularly a lot of organizations in the great resignation, again, the last couple of years were just hard. But like it's a difference going through something hard where people you like or otherwise, where then you think that, oh, I'll just switch that out and I'll go to this side. And you're like, oh, I forgot what it's like to, you know, when the people don't tell me the truth and otherwise. And by the way, it doesn't make everything easier just because I just because I switch jobs. Yeah. Are you able to spot that in the hiring process, Robert, you and your team? Are you pretty good at it? Yeah. I mean, we have a very comprehensive hiring process that is really two parts. One is, are they a fit for the values? And then two is, can they can they do the job? All right. So now I'm listening to this podcast. I'm in my car. I'm on my way to work or I'm just at home with the kids. And I am I, I work at a company, small or big, and I'm just listening to what you're describing. And it all sounds so foreign to me, this, this investment in people and leadership retreats and assessments and relationships and trust. And if that is me, what are some things that I can do as an individual that would help me move forward in this direction? kind of a David versus Goliath. What do you think? What should yeah, I do? I, I actually, generally, I always say, and if I'm presenting on this, I have a, a bunch of things that you could do next week that you could do, you know, one thing that you could do in each area. Because I, I more believe in the people who are going to just start making 1% changes than, you know, the beginning of the year, New Year's resolution, the gyms are packed, I'm going to kind of do everything over. So if you don't like the path you're on, like, Again, read, read read the book. Like, there's plenty of suggestions in there. Pick a couple things, start down that path, and see if you like the result. Starts to work. But I, I I'm much more likely to believe someone who picks a couple things that they could start, you know, working on and starts doing it than than you know tries to revolutionize everything in a week and then gets frustrated when that doesn't materialize. Yeah. You know, uh, thank you for that answer. A couple of things that I was, I was thinking my own answer when you were describing that. And uh, you have that idea about having a podcast club or a book club. Yeah. I think that's, that's fantastic to be able to find. Podcast clubs are free, right? Yeah. And then you find, I mean, it's one thing to listen to a podcast. It's another just to talk to someone. You cement the ideas and you ideate around that. Um, and I might recommend uh, Elevate podcast uh, or uh, I dare you podcast. So what do you think? Is that okay? Those are good choices. All right. So you may have just answered the question, but uh, what would you hope that someone would think or do differently as a result of reading Elevate, your team? Yeah. I, I mean, at a base level, I, I really think for most people, the biggest change has been when they start, you got to start with the foundation. So starting with the core values, starting with the strengths or starting with your why, sort of having that moment of self-revelation, I think then makes all of the other things work better. Uh, if you're going to go build a house, you might as well have a good foundation. So, you know, I, I've got a course on that. It's a corevaluescourse.com. I took the work that we did with our teams because no one really had a process for it. And I constantly 
um, was asked about it. Uh, but you can look otherwise, you can listen to me talking about it on the podcast, but start thinking about, you know, that work and what that might look like and, and to figure out like who you are. Cause I, we, we, we know it, but we don't, yeah. if you can't articulate it, then you're not, you're not really leveraging it. Agree totally on that. Get to know, know who you are is, is it, that's it. And I had discovered it way too late in my career, but for everyone listening is never too late, but I'm telling you, you start there and the world opens up and, uh, yeah. Robert, what is the best way to follow you and all the cool projects that you are up to? Yeah, well, if you're interested in getting my weekly Friday forward with 200,000 other leaders around the world, uh, you can do that at uh, robertglazer.com. That's all in the see the Friday forward tab. That's also where the podcast is books are everything's kind of in, in, in one place and you can you can find it all there. Uh, Robert, at the end of our podcast, I always ask my guest, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? So what is the one thing that someone might might try or do today? to help them get closer to where they want to be. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say I dare, I dare you to get off the hamster wheel. So uh, give up the excuse, I'm too busy, I can't do that. You know, this is the, you ever seen the meme of people rolling a a, 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 a square, like in the old times and this guy's running yes. after them with a little wheel sample and they're like, we just don't have time to look at that. So like uh. make some time to get off the hamster wheel, work on your business, work on yourself, not not in it. I, and you, I think you'll see the, the difference is pretty, pretty quickly. Robert, this is, again, it was worth it. Uh, I'm glad we were able to make this work and uh, to be able to talk to you and get your insights from someone who has done it and through a lot of success, but also, as you said, a lot of failures along the way. But this has been a real treat. You've helped a lot of people, including me. So thanks for being here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, that was Robert Glazer. We just had the opportunity that we're not going to get very often in life to sit down across the table from a founder and chairman of the board of a successful company like Acceleration Partners and just how real and candid he was about how to build a high-performing culture and how to build people. You guys know how rare that is? You, I think you know. And to be able to get some insights here was just really refreshing. Okay, now that you listen, who are you going to share this episode with? Uh, could be one person, could be 10, but don't wait until tomorrow. You'll forget, at least I would. Who are you thinking of? And right now, share this with them. What a wonderful way to let them know you're thinking of them and their development by sharing this type of a conversation with them. What else might you do? Hey, look, now might be the time to start a book club or a podcast club. And if you do start an I Dare You podcast club at work, please let me know. It's a great idea and one that cements some of these principles in a way that just listening on your own just doesn't do. You know, the other thing that Robert mentioned, he talked about values and your why. And we didn't talk a lot about it in the interview. That's another takeaway for me is always revisiting your why as a leader. He talked about it as really getting down to the foundational principles of who you are and being able to articulate who you are. So I'd like to do just a really quick exercise with you that I've done with hundreds, thousands of leaders in my career that helps them understand their why and their purpose. And I uh, hope you have a pen and piece of paper handy. This is not complex, but I want you to write, write a few things down or just remember this and do this later. Here we go. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing? What would your answer be on that? Whether you are in a full-time vocation or maybe you are a mom or a dad that does not work outside the home, maybe you're retired, the question is still the same. Why are you doing what you're doing? Just write it down, whatever first came to mind. 
And then I want you to answer three questions. Here we go. So that you can do what? What's your answer on that? And then do it again. So that you can do what? And then one more time. So that you can do what? So the first time you answer it, that's great. But now I want you to go three levels deeper with a so that statement. What you're going to find is the very first time you answer the question, why do you do what you do? It's pretty good. It'll be good. But the time you go three levels lower, now you're getting somewhere. Now you're getting down to your real why and what's important to you. So let me try it. I'm not going to try it as, as a dad or a husband or as a, an executive at this really cool company that I'm at right now. And I've been here for 11 years. I love what I do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tackle that. I'm going to talk about being a podcast host. So Darren, why are you hosting the I Dare You podcast? A lot of work. Why are you doing it? Well, the reason why I'm doing the podcast is that I want to share some information with people so that they can implement these in their life. Good. Not bad. So let's go further. Why is that important to me? So that what? Here we go. So that I can learn cheat codes and success codes from other successful people in their industries, across industries, so that I can share with others. So why is that important to you? Well, so that I can meet people where they are and so that they can understand some of these cheat codes and that they can implement that in their lives and to save them that work. Now, finally, why is that important to you, Darren? So that, so I can help them see that there is greatness in them. And I want to help them activate their potential and help them live their very best life. That is why I host a podcast. That is why I put in all the extra time and effort into the podcast. When I call it a passion project, it's because of that why. So now for you, why do you do what you do? Write down those three statements. So that, so that, so that. And do the exercise three times and see where it takes you. And I'd love to hear back from you. You can do that if when you follow us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. If you love great content, value-added content, it's there, including video snippets of this interview with Robert. So I'd love to see you there. Give me some feedback how you like this episode. And look, everybody, I, I can't wait to see where you take this content from Robert Glazer. I'm excited for you to elevate your team, to elevate your own performance, to help you be the best leader you can be, uh, to change a lot of lives and build people up. People are hungry for it. People are hungry for great leaders. People just don't, don't want to work somewhere. They want to be somewhere where they love. They love the place, the culture, the people, the leaders, and we can be that change. Thanks again for tuning in episode 80, and I'll see you back here next week for episode 81. It's going to be another fantastic episode and a guest that you're not going to forget. Have a great week, everyone, and I'll see you back here in the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.